All right. Awesome, Ben. Thank you. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be looking there in just a moment. Hiroo Onoda uh, was an imperial officer in the Japanese army. He died January of of 2014 at the age of 91. He was a hero in Japan. And let me tell you why. According to the New York Times, it was late December 1944 when he was, when he arrived at Lubang, which was a strategic island about 16 miles long, six miles wide, kind of at the, at the edge of Manila Bay near the island area of Corregidor. And so he was dropped off there December 1944 when American forces landed on the 28th of February 1945. They ran the Japanese out, and uh, when the last Japanese had fled, were killed, or were captured, Major Yoshimi Taniguchi gave Lieutenant Onoda his final orders, <clears throat> stand and fight. He said it may take three years, it may take five, but whatever happens, we'll come back for you, stand and fight. And as we know, the bombs were dropped later that year. The war ended uh, late summer, early fall, 1945. But 29 years later, uh, Major Taniguchi retired by then, a bookseller in, uh, in, in his native Japan, went back to that island at the request of the, na- of the na- <clears throat> at the request of uh, the government of Tokyo, found Anoda and told him, "The war's over. Your duty's finished." Twenty-nine years, this guy stayed on an island, lived on fruit and whatever he could catch, and he fought a war that didn't exist because he was waiting for his commanding officer to come and tell him, "The war's over." That's faithfulness. I spoke with one of our World War II veterans this week. And even though this guy was an enemy, and even though he was against our people, you got to admire the fact that someone would stay at the call for 29 years and wait until his commanding officer come or came and says it's finished. That's faithfulness. How faithful are you and I going to be until our commanding officer comes and says, it's finished. We've got a challenge before us. We live in a culture uh, that, uh, that has a lot of issues. Uh, we live in a world that's got a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of difficulties. And it'd be really easy to drift off. It'd, it'd be really easy to take a step back and throw up our hands and say, what's the use? What's the use? But the question is, are you and me, are we willing to be found Faithful, you know, Jesus asked that question in, in uh, I think it was in Luke 18, uh, verse 8, where he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth or, or will he find faithfulness on the earth? And so when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes, will he find you, will he find you faithful? When the Son of Man comes, will he find me faithful? Will he find us Faithful. Well, we're going to get into our, we're in a series called Faith in Focus, kind of a mini series in, in Hebrews 11. And we're going to look at a couple guys this morning that were indeed faithful. But I kind of want to ask this, I got another question that I think maybe 
maybe will help set the set the tone, if you will. Because so easy it's to think, well, you know, when you're saved, really, you just you come to know Jesus, you get to experience forgiveness, and, and you get to go to heaven when you die. And it's really easy for us to think, well, you know, that's all there is. And I think sometimes when I was a student, when I was these guys' age, I kind of thought, well, hey, you just, listen, you know Jesus, you experience forgiveness, you get to go to heaven. But is that all there is? Is that all there is to it? Or could there be, could there possibly be more to it than that? Someone as well said, salvation is free. It's free to us. But following Jesus costs something. Jesus said this. Look on the screen. Uh, Luke 9, 23. He said to all. He said to all. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I want, to, I want to call your attention uh, I don't, to one word. And that is all. You know, it's so easy for us to think that there's a group of spiritual Christians, maybe the preacher boys, or maybe the missionaries, or maybe you fill in the blank, and they're called to something, and they've got to deny themselves, and they've got to come after Jesus, and they've got to be willing to lay it all down and follow. And it's really easy for us to think, man, that's for them. But Jesus said, no, Jesus said to all, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. If you're going to follow me, you got to take up your cross. That literally, that's a picture means to die to yourself. And he says you got to come and follow me. And my question this morning is: uh, Is that typical of your life? Are you following? Are you following Jesus? Is the desire of your heart to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to literally follow? Him. Well, when we look in our passage, in fact, look down with me at Hebrews 11. We're going to look at some guys that they were willing to do that. I mean, uh, they were willing to be faithful because I believe the scripture tells us there is, it does cost something to follow Jesus. Now, salvation is free, but it does cost something. And uh, part of that cost, or at least part of that expectation, is the idea of being faithful. Whatever else God has called you to do. And wherever else God has called you to go, what I can say with great conviction is that God has called you and he's called me to be faithful, to be faithful. That's why the writer of Hebrews denoted a whole chapter and maybe some change in chapter 12 to this idea of faith. Why? Because God expects us to be faithful. Look down there at verse 4. We're going to look at three verses. Hebrews 11, verse 4. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him, uh, God com- let me find my play. God commending him as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible uh, to please him. Uh, for whoever must believe he exists, must believe he would draw near to God, and he would reward those who seek him. And so what we've got to understand and what we've got to appreciate is that if we're going to follow after God, we've got to be willing to believe. We've got to be willing to act out on faith. We've got to be willing to follow after and go after and do what God has called us to do. And when we look at the example of Abel and we look at the example of Enoch, we find guys that literally are willing to do that. And so as we 
consider these two guys. I think there are two key thoughts that we want to talk about, uh, two key thoughts this morning that if you're going to be faithful, that if I'm going to be found faithful, that we've kind of got to deal with. And uh, the first is the issue of worship. And the second is the, the idea, if you will, of walking with God. And so let's take these apart and let's look at them individually. First of all, let's look at Abel. Because it says there in verse 4 uh, that by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. A more acceptable sacrifice. Now, if, if you're not familiar with the story, Cain and Abel were brothers. It's written about in Genesis chapter 4. And Cain was a farmer. Uh, we would probably... Um, you may think of him as a row cropper. I mean, obviously, he didn't have tractors and machinery, but he grew grain. He grew the fruit of the land. Uh, so he would, we'd consider him a farmer. Abel, on the other hand, he had sheep, and so we would call him a rancher, you know, at least here in Texas. You might think, well, he's a shepherd. Well, he was, but but in Texas... We call them sheep ranchers, right? We think our, you know, we think of it that way. So, so you got Abel that's the rancher. You got Cain that's the farmer. And, and here's kind of how the story went. Cain brought an offering to the Lord of some of his, some of his crop. And, uh, then Abel brought an offering to the Lord. Again, we, we see that in, in Genesis chapter four. Abel brought the first from his flock. And in fact, it even says that he brought uh, the, the fat portions of the firstborn to the Lord. Now, what's interesting is the Lord had re- regard for Abel's offering, but he didn't have any regard for Cain. And so, not to, not to be irreverent, but God was good with lamb chops, but not so much with wheat bread and cornmeal. I mean, I mean, think about it. God was good with the, with the first fruit and the, and the fat portions. But God wasn't good with the, with the crops. So why is that? Why is that? Well, the reason is worship is not all equal. Not all worship is acceptable worship. And that's really what the writer is reminding us of. Now, there's there's probably a couple reasons for that, and theologians would would differ on on how they interpret this. But but let me tell you first of all why Abel's worship was acceptable. First and foremost, the reason Abel's worship was acceptable is because by faith Abel brought a sacrifice. It was by faith. It was a sacrifice. It cost him something. And, and so he comes to God, and because it was a, a, an offering of, in faith, and because it was a sacrificial offering, God had regard for it. God accepted it. And he was, uh, as the Scripture says, he was declared to be uh, righteous because of, it, because of it. In fact, Jesus spoke of the righteous blood of Abel. Not so much the, the sacrifice, but the fact that Abel was righteous. And the reason he was righteous is because he came in faith and brought a sacrifice. But I believe there's another nuance to this. I mean, think about this. Cain and Abel, their mom and dad, uh, got in trouble in the garden. If you remember, they got in major trouble. Uh, when they ate, when Eve ate the fruit and gave some to Adam, they ate. They realized they were naked. So what did they do? They thought, oh my, we're naked. Somebody's going to see it. I don't know who they were. I don't know who they thought were going to see them. But, but so they're naked. They're worried somebody's going to see them. And so they, they make a covering of leaves 
out of the work of their hands. And so God comes into the garden. You know the story. He's walking in the garden and he goes, Adam, where are you guys at? Right? And, and so well, we're naked, so we're hiding. And, and God said, well, how do you know? And you, you, well, you know the story. But, but anyway, they come to God covered in some kind of fig leaves. We don't really know what that looked like. We probably don't want to know what that looked like. But that's why they come to God. And God says, no, this is not acceptable here. This is not satisfactory. And so what God did is, is God slaughtered some animals. And then he gave them covering of animal skins. And symbolically, that is a picture of the atonement to cover sin. In other words, symbolically, that's a picture that, that for sin to be covered... Blood's got to be shed. Remember Hebrews 9? Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And so I think, I think the picture there is, or part of the picture, and part of the reason Abel's worship was satisfactory is because it involved a sacrifice. It involved blood to cover the sin. While Cain's offering, he just brought some stuff that he grew and picked with his hands. There was really no sacrifice. And I think there's a, there's a nuance. There's a nuance. That Cain just did his own work. And Abel brought an offering that, that was costly and sacrificial. Now what that says to us is that any old worship won't do. What that says to us, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be mean, but what that says is that the idea that we think that when we show up, you know, you, well, pastor, I've been to Sunday school for six years in a row and I hadn't missed and, you know, I give my offering every week and I serve the Lord over here and I volunteer over there and, and, and I do this and this. Listen, uh, I, I want to tell you, God is not impressed with what you do for him. God is not impressed with what I do for him, that I'm a preacher boy and I study the Bible and I, he's not impressed. Don't think that, that, that you're, when you show up to worship and, and you come and sing a few songs that, that God's got, man, I am so glad that Mike is here today. Cause God's not impressed with us. The scripture says, I think it was the prophet Isaiah who said that your righteousness, in other words, the best that we have, the best I can bring to him, the best that you can bring to him, our righteousness is like filthy rags. That's the best we got. So God's not impressed that we would, you know, show up for him. And so what God is impressed with is that we believe in the one who died for us. That's really the picture. Listen, worship is when you come through Jesus Christ by faith into the presence of God and offer God praise and thanksgiving. That's why over, and we're going to look at this in a couple of weeks, but in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, through Jesus, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. In other words, what I'm saying is, if you're going to worship God, you, you got to come through Jesus. And that's the way. And that's what God expects, is that we would come through Jesus to worship Him and so the question this morning is, uh, how do you worship? How, how do you worship Jesus Christ? Abel slaughtered a lamb because there had to be a death to, to cover his sin. 
And Jesus had to die to shed his blood, and he had to pay the ultimate price so you and I could have presence or, or access into the presence of God. And the question is, how do we treat? How do you treat? How do I treat? How do we respond to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us? Do you worship him on a daily basis? Do you worship Jesus on a regular basis? Or is your worship what you do on Sundays? There was a great uh, kind of a leadership guy wrote a book a number of years ago, John Maxwell. I think it was John Maxwell. Wrote a book uh, on the success journey, and he made this statement. He said, success is not a destination thing. It is a daily thing. And I would submit to you this morning that worship is not a destination thing. It is a daily thing. You say, what do I mean by that? Worship is not somewhere you go on Sunday morning. You sing three songs, and you listen to some guy talk for 30 or more minutes, and you go home and go, I worship today. Now, you, you might worship here, and you should, we hope you do worship here, but, but that's, not wor- that, that, that's not what worship entails. Worship entails the fact that you and I are willing to get along with God and acknowledge Him and honor Him. And as Ian talked about, meditating on His Word and His precepts. That, that's really what worship is about. And so, if you're going to be faithful, you've got to worship. But if you're going to be faithful to worship, you've got to be willing to to walk with God. Look down in your Bible at verse 5. We'll look at our second guy, Enoch. It says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And so so this guy, Enoch, I mean, think about this. This guy, he was, according to the account in Genesis, at 65, he became a father. And Guys, imagine that. At 65, think about that. I mean, I was, what was I, 40? I was about 40 when I started. Man, I'm thinking I've been behind ever since, right? 65 years old, he fathered a child, and this child was born to him. And then the Bible says, for 300 years he walked with God. So evidently, for 65 years, he did his own thing. He went his own way. And something happened. Well, he had a baby born. Now, we don't really know. Uh, at least I don't. Scholars may. I don't know what happened that day. But something happened that day. He named his son Methuselah. Uh, anybody have any idea what the word Methuselah means? Because biblical names have meaning. I mean, they're significant. Uh, some of you, some of our names are significant. I mean, there, there's a reason behind why you have the name you know, you have. Uh, maybe more than just what mom, mom and dad liked it. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Take Ian, for example. We were in staff meeting this week, and we were somehow we got on biblical names. And, and I thought, well, Ian's a good Irish lad. I said, you do, you're probably named after Ian Woosnam, the professional golfer. He won the Masters in the, in the early 90s. And it turns out, Ian says, well, my dad named me after a famous golfer. And I, I think it was probably... Ian Woosman. That could have been Ian Baker Finch, but hey, but he's, but that's a reason, right? My, take me for example. My name, uh, the reason I have the name I have, on February 20th, 1962, two amazing things happened. One of them is, this is an answer to a trivia question. So you, if you like to play trivia games, listen carefully. February 20th, 1962, two amazing things happened. No, the second thing that happened amazing is I was born. I know it was second. Here's how I know it was the second thing. Because 
Earlier in the day, John Glenn orbited the earth in a spaceship for the very first time. I mean, he rode a rocket around the earth the day I was born. So the doctor says to my mom, you should name him John Glenn. She says, I like Michael. (laughs) And so I'm Michael Glenn. Why is it significant? Because he rode a rocket around the earth that day. Now, that's not the answer to the trivia question. The answer to the trivia question is he wrote a rocket. It's not my pastor's middle name, okay? So just so you'll know that. But, but here's what I'm saying. Listen, there's significance to names. Well, in Scripture, usually the significance is much more important than, than where I got my middle name or, or, or where Ian got his or, or where you got yours. You know, you know what we know about the word Methuselah? The name Methuselah, according to the dictionary of, of Bible names, it means when, uh, when he dies, it will end. When he dies, it will end. And uh, you know he was the oldest guy in the Bible, right? Lived 969 years. You know the year he died? You know what happened the year he died? The flood came. And here's what I'm thinking. This is my sanctified imagination, but here's what I'm thinking. Enoch had a boy. He had a son. God gave him a man-child. And somehow God said, Enoch, give him the name Methuselah, because when he dies, it will end. And somehow that captured Enoch's heart. And for 300 years, he walked with God. And he didn't just walk with God. I mean, we walk with God, or at least those of us who are believers, we say, well, yeah, I walk with God. No, 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 no. He walked with God so much so that God wouldn't let him die. I mean, he was so close that one day, 300 years later, they look around and they say, where's Enoch? We don't know where Enoch is. He was not to be found. Why? Because God took him, snatched him away, kind of like it's going to happen in the rapture. So think about this. Can you imagine that you walked so close to God that God said, I don't want him to die. I'm just going to go get him. That's close. Now, you can walk close to God. I mean, this is, I mean, think about this. God wants you and you and me and you and everyone. God wants us to walk close to him. Jesus died so we could be close to him. He longs for us to be close to him. But I, And you can get close. But I'm telling you, you're, you're not going to get so close probably that God's going to go come and get you and say, okay, you don't have to die. Unless, of course, the rapture comes. Now, he... If you go without dying, we all get to go, okay? You're not going to be special. Just want you to, you can get close. Walk with God, you should. But what happened to Enoch, happened to Elijah, that's the only two, okay? That's probably not going to happen. But but here's what can happen. You You can get up so close to God that you will please him. You will please him. Because look at verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay, without faith, it's impossible. For whoever would, look at this term, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Did, did you know you only got to do two things to get up close to God? There's, there's only two things that you have to do, that I have to do, to really draw near. I mean, if we, you can get as close as any, I can get as close to any. And we only got to do two things. Number one, you got to believe that He exists. How, how many of you believe God exists? 
This is not rhetorical. Yeah. See, everybody, pretty much 99.7%, we qualify. I mean, that's why you're here. Unless you, somebody bribes you to say, hey, if you go to church with me, I'll take you to lunch or, or, or your parents said you gotta go or, or whatever. But, but otherwise, you're here because you believe God exists. So you're halfway to, to drawing near to God. Now, you know, if, if, if I passed out a sheet of paper that had numbers 1 through 10, it says circle the number that represents, and the question was, are you as absolutely close to God as you possibly could be and as you believe you should be? Uh, I, I wonder how many of us would say, I'm absolutely as close to God as possible. I'm as close to God as I should be. I wonder how many of us would circle 10. I bet a lot of us would say, hmm. Man, I'm probably about a four. Now, if you're pretty spiritual, you might go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm probably a seven. Now, there's a couple of you that might say, well, you know, I'm a ten. You'll lie about other stuff, too. I just, just go ahead. Uh, right? None of us are as close as we, we, we know we could be. None of us are as close as we think we should be. So what do we have to do to get there? Well, we got to believe that He exists. But secondly, it says that we must believe that He rewards those who seek Him. He rewards those who seek Him. Do, do you know why? Do you know why you're not as close to God as, as you could be and maybe as you should be? Do you know why I'm not as close to God as I could be and because I should be? Do you, do you know why that, do you know how that is? You don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth it. We don't believe that he rewards those who seek him, so we stay away. Now, the reason I know that's true is because I know human nature. I know how you think mostly, and you know mostly how I think. And the way we think is when there's something in it for us, we're willing to pay the price. If, if, you know, if, if the something's good enough, we'll pay the price. Give you an example. I'm in a discipling group with some guys. We meet on, uh, we meet on Wednesday morning, 645, Chick-fil-A and Kyle. One of the guys from Lockhart, one's from South Austin. Uh, I, I come from Drippin. Another guy comes from Driftwood. So our strategic meeting place is Chick-fil-A, Wednesday morning, 645. Do you know what Chick-fil-A's doing in, in the month of May? They're giving away a free breakfast item. The last Wednesday in April, we had the run of the place. Uh, you could park wherever you wanted. The first Wednesday of April or of May, when the when the free giveaway started, guess what? The drive-through line is out in the road. You know, uh, people are everywhere. I mean, they come in. Some of them in their pajamas. Now, why why would they? Why will families at six forty-five? Get out of the house before many of them normally do. Why would they pack their kids up in their pajamas, walk inside a restaurant? You, you know why? Because they're going to get something, and it's free. They're going to be rewarded, right? In fact, some of you, you said, man, if it, if it wasn't 25 minutes, I would drive to Chick-fil-A on Wednesday morning. Because I'd like to have a, I mean, hey, I had the biscuit the other day, the sausage biscuit. It was good, too. <laughs> See, I know how you think. I know how people think. Hey, we're going to get something for free. And yet, when it comes to the God of the universe, 
we just don't believe meeting with Him and walking with Him and seeking Him is worth it, or we would do that. Because we go exercise because we think there's a payoff, or at least some of you do. We do all these things because we think there's a payoff. And, and I know the deal. I'm, well, pastor, you know, I got, man, I have to go to work tomorrow. And, you know, we got three kids and we got this many ball practices this week. And, and you know, and I got to exercise because my blood pressure's up. And, you know, I'm starting to, you know, and, and the yard work. And, man, I just, man, I just don't have time to really seek after God. I, I, know, I understand the drill. I understand that. Okay? But how many of us would go to our boss tomorrow and say, who wants to meet with you and say, you know what, boss, I, I ain't got time. Love to, but, I'm, you know, I'm busy. How, how many of you would say to your coach, guys, players, how many would, your coach says, hey, I, either before school or after school or, or during lunch, I need you to stop by, I need to talk to you. You go, ah, oh, coach, I ain't got time. Uh, you blow it off. We wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't say to your spouse, well, maybe you would say to your spouse, you wouldn't say to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, hey, I don't have time for you. So why is it, I mean, the people that are most important to us, the people that we care about the most, we're, we're going to carve out time for that. But when it comes to God, we go, well, you know, I don't have time. I'm just not sure how I can fit that in. I mean, think about this. The God of the universe, the uncreated one. Listen, we're all created and everything we know, see, feel, touch is created. But the uncreated one, the one outside of this universe that spoke it all into existence. I mean, it's amazing that God spoke and we have a universe that that we can't even determine how big it is. And it works. And by the word of his power, he upholds all things. And that's why if I drop my... If I let go of my glasses, they drop. And if you let go of something, they drop because God's got a, a universe filled with laws that He designed. That God, that God, the Heavenly Father, the Father, the Father that loves you so passionately that He killed His own Son on a cross so you could be forgiven. So I could be forgiven. He killed his son so we could be forgiven. And we could come into his presence. The God that sits on his throne and does whatever he pleases wants to meet with you and me. And he's promised that he will reward us if we do. And and we go, I don't really have time to seek with God. Really? Is that really the deal? Or might it be, might it be that we don't think it's worth it? Might it be that we don't believe he really does reward those who seek him? See, I believe if we're going to be found faithful, and if when the Son of Man comes, he's going to find faith in your life and my life, then, then we better find a way to get along with God. And we better find a way to walk with God. And if you ever needed, if you ever needed 
to have dialogue with the God of the universe. If you ever needed to walk in fellowship with the one that, that keeps everything spinning, these are those days. I mean, we live in a culture, our world's about to blow up at the seams, morally, uh, physically, socially. I mean, any, anywhere, anywhere you look, economic, I mean, we're in a mess. And you know something? There's not a thing you can do about it. There's not a thing I can do about it. But we can come sit at the feet of the one that's in control of it. And yet we say, man, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. And so what I want to, and I know I'm talking to believers today, and I know everybody here is maybe you're not quite yet a believer. And man, can I just say this? This is extra, but let me just say this. If you're not yet a follower, the God of the universe that I've been, that I just talked about put his son on a cross and he poured out perfect blood so you could be forgiven and have life in his name. And, and I would just say, if you're not yet a follower, man, what better day than today to say yes to Jesus? Because he, he wants you. He died for you. But for the rest of us, I know I'm talking to us, why would we not want to get into the presence of the God of the universe? Why would we not take him at his word? We believe what he says that he'll save us. We believe what he says that he'll forgive us. Why don't we believe what he says that he will reward us? Why don't we? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. We're going to, we're going to, I want you to answer two questions. There, you've got to answer one question, and then uh, depending on how you answer the first one, you've got to answer the second one. And uh, the first question is, do you, do you want to draw near to God? Do you want to come closer to God than you are right now? Do, do you want to do that? And if the answer is yes, then the second question is, when are you going to carve out time to do that? When are you going to carve out time? to do that. And the invitation this morning for you uh, is do you want to come close? And if the answer is yes, when are you going to do that? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would um, speak into our hearts this morning. Father, we, these are desperate days and desperate times. And God, if if we ever needed anything, we need to be in the presence of the majesty on high. Father, the Bible says of King David that he sat before, he went in and he sat before the Lord because he was a man after God's own heart. Father, I want to be that kind of a man. I want to be a man who goes in and sits before the Lord, believing that you reward those. God, I pray for these men, these women. I pray for these students this morning, Lord, that their passion would would burn Father to draw near to God believing that you reward us really more than anything with yourself and so Father would you have your way and your will in everybody's life this morning and Father we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor and I pray in Jesus name Amen. Look at me for just a minute. We're going to, uh, before we take our offering, I want to give you a minute. uh, And I want to be very practical this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to answer that first question.
do you want to draw close to God? And, and it's easy. It's yes or no. And you can say, you know what, Pastor, I'm as close as I want to be or I'm as close as I need to be. And, it, and that's okay, I guess. But if you say, if your answer is yes, I want to draw closer, th- then you gotta, you gotta make a decision. If you do the same thing the same way, you're gonna get the same result. So you gotta change. So I want you to take out your device. If you have a calendar on your device, maybe if you got a calendar, can we get the, the lights up here? If, maybe you got a handwritten calendar. I mean, some of you still do that. Uh, you still write stuff down. I want you to take it out and here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your day tomorrow and decide, okay, here's when I'm gonna meet with God. Here's what time I'm going to meet with God. And you say, well, I don't really know what to do. Get up 15 minutes earlier. I can't get up 15 minutes earlier. You know what time I get up? Sure you can. You can get up earlier. Go to bed earlier. If you got to play 18 in the morning, you get up. If you're leaving tomorrow to go to the beach, you get up. So don't say, you know, don't say, I can't really do it. So, so here's what I want you to do. You need to decide when are you going to meet with God. And I want you to, I'm serious, I want to see some devices. I want you to write some down. And if you say, well, I don't want to do that, at least pretend. Make me feel good, okay? Just get, get your thing out. And, and, and put something down. Say, here's what, listen, the, can I say this? The God of heaven wants an audience with you tomorrow. He wants it today, but he wants an audience with you tomorrow. Why would you not meet with him? So pick a time. You say, well, I don't know. What would I do? If I pick a time, how would I do that? Here's what I recommend. Get get you a cup of coffee. Get up, get you a cup of coffee. If you don't drink coffee, get you some juice, glass or whatever. Get your Bible. Go sit down on the couch somewhere in a room by yourself. And just sit down before the Lord and just say, Lord, I come to meet with you today. I I just want to know you. I, I, I just, I need to. I need you. And then open your Bible and let him speak to you. You say, well, I don't know where to read. If you don't have a plan, just do the proverb a day. Tomorrow's the 16th. Just read Proverbs 16 tomorrow and say, God, speak to me out of your word. And then when he shows you something, just write it down. And then pray. God, help me to put this into practice. And then God, go with me today. And then as you go through your day tomorrow, you just try to think about God when you got a free moment. I know you got to study, and I know you got to take notes, and I know you got work, and, and we got all these things to do. But when you go into neutral, just try to revert back. Say, okay, God, I'm with you today. I'm, I'm walking with you. And then you do that tomorrow, and then you get up on Tuesday, and you do the same thing. And then you get up on Wednesday, and you do the same thing. You're just saying, God, I believe you're going to meet with me. And so, so I pray, my hope is that you'll decide that you're going to meet with God because because here's what I want. When, 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 when the Son of Man comes, I want Him to find faith at First Baptist Church in Wembley, Texas. And the way He'll do that is He'll find faith in your heart and faith in my heart. If we're being faithful to Him, He'll meet with us. So let's meet with Him this week. As our ushers come, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to wrap up. Father, in Jesus' name, and thank you that you put your son on a cross. Literally, you killed your son so I could be free. And I could be forgiven. And I could have life. And not me alone, but Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And God, I pray that as we bring our offerings today, that they would be reflective of a changed life. And they would be reflective of a generous heart. And they would be reflective of a desire to see the world know the Jesus we know. So God, would you take what we bring 
use it to tell the story of Jesus. God, would you bless those who give week after week and we'll give you the glory. And we pray, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus.